Hello, anybody there? Hello, hello. Hey, there you are. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. (laughs) It's happening. You know, I was starting to think that uh, that this meeting was going to be cursed. (laughs) Because we... (laughs) You know what? I thought the same thing. I'm like, what is going on between not being able to sign in, scores, (laughs) like... Like I said, I'm like, I'm so happy to finally be able to take this call. <laughs> a long time coming, but really excited yes. to, to get to catch up for a little bit, to see uh, see where you're coming from. So if you if you got a few minutes, you want to you wanna give this a shot? And uh, we can start at the beginning if you like. That's perfect. Awesome. Awesome. So tell me where you're from, where are you at, and, uh, and where does your story begin? Um, okay, so... I'm from Black House, Mississippi. I've lived here my entire life of 30 years. Um, as far as, as writing goes, if that's the question that you're asking about the, the story, as you said, I feel like I've been writing my entire life. Um, started as a young kid. I used to write poetry a lot. And then as I grew older, I really fell more so in love with prose. Um, I just loved having the time and the space uh, to create and play with whatever my imagination came up with. And so that's really just been like my main uh, love for years now, close to 10 years of of writing truly prose at this this point in my life. Yeah. What kind of stuff were you into when you were younger? Were you reading anything in particular that made you excited about, uh, about storytelling? Yes. Um, one uh, kind of story that really comes to mind is I was really into Greek mythology uh, as a child. Um, mm. There was just something about that form that really drew me in because it was so otherworldly, and yet the way that it could be applied to real life, in a sense, just some of the characteristics, some of the lessons, uh, fascinated me because it was it was seeing that that kind of genre, the way that it utilized just magic and, and mythology, um, showing that it it wasn't too far away from just our everyday lives. And mm-hmm. I thought there was just something really cool in that stories that obviously weren't real, based on real life, but stories that you utilize that some sort of form could bring in a reader or audience in that way and, and give it so much depth and, and so much exploration. I always thought of it as something that was really freeing. And so uh, even today I'm, I'm really drawn to adding in little touches of strange or mythology mm-hmm. or even horror, because I think it's a very interesting way to draw a person in. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you were first getting into writing and and looking around at your community, what was the relationship there between this draw of mythology and the world that you were living in when you were younger? Like, what was it like growing up where you are? Black Hawk is is very interesting. Um, Again, I've lived here my whole life. And so Mississippi, I think, is just very interesting because we have so many different uh, types of regions you have where I live at, which is Black House, Mississippi, and it's very rural and it's very hilly and it's very forested. And then you have places like the Delta where it's 
just miles and miles and miles of truly flat land. And so for me, because I was drawn to those sort of fantastical type of stories, Blackhawk was a very um, almost perfect place to live in because in itself, it felt very otherworldly to me. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting because you'll have people who have lived here their entire lives um, in Mississippi, that is. And then they'll come to places like here, like Blackhawk for the first time. And it's astounding to, to them because, again, a lot of Mississippi is very flat. It's, it's very, you know, it's kind of easy to figure out. And you get to Blackhawk and it doesn't even necessarily feel like a place that should be here in Mississippi because mm. of just the terrain and such. So when I write and when I think of Blackhawk, it just it feels like a space and, and an opportunity to really play up uh, some of the genres that I really like, which again is horror, mm. fantasy, science fiction. Uh, because if if my home uh, can have this sort of, of otherworldliness to it too, and this sort of fantasy element to it too, mm. uh, my stories for sure can. And so yeah. this setting plays such a big role in my creative process because, uh, you know, it's, it's beautiful to look at. And the more I study it and explore, because even, even with me, I'll, you know, I'll drive down a road or somewhere different that I've never been before. And it's in Black Hawk or it can be other neighboring like counties. And it's, it's something I've never seen before, a house I've never noticed before. And I've driven by it like, you know, hundreds of times. So drawing on that energy is, is always such a fun and very freeing process to me because mm-hmm. just having that opportunity alone means that I have the chance to just really play up the creative element. So tell me of the kinds of things that you were writing when you first started. Like what were your first projects like that were that were the source or maybe the the initial spark? of your, of your creative perspective, you know, that blended these things together? I, I want to say, okay, I'm, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, okay. If we're, if we're talking about like where I'm at right now, how I, I got to where I'm at right now with some of the things that I like to write, it more than likely was grad school that mm. I really felt that I could um, write in the ways that I do. I, I've been writing my whole life, but I, I really honestly, truly think that it does take a while to actually craft and create the voice that you, you know, that you seek. And even when you do find it, you're always working on it. So when I got to grad school, I knew that i I, I obviously I knew that I wanted to be a writer, but I think that the ideas that were underlying in me didn't really show up and, and come out until I started working with my beloved professors at um, Mississippi, Mississippi University for Women. Mm. And uh, just they would, uh, particularly my, my teacher, Chris Lee, he would read my work and he would you know, write notes, handwritten notes on drafts and tell me, hey, pay attention to this or you should be reading this person. And the more that I started working towards it and the more that I read, that's when I started thinking again about home and all of the unexpected elements that he had. And then 
thinking about childhood with the Greek mythology and, and why that fascinated me so much. And so now it's, it's just basically taking a lot of that magic that held me, but also just looking forward in the everyday life and the everyday people and the everyday settings. And so again, like the more I just really started thinking about those things and exploring them, uh, the more I was able to feel a lot more secure with what I wanted to create. Right. So, uh, can you, can you tell me a little bit about that college experience then? Because it seems like that was the thing that, that opened things up for you and it wasn't, it wasn't going to, to, through your bachelor's, uh, education, but, but you, <laughs> you got into grad school and that's when things really started clicking for you then? Yes. Um, you know, I, 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 I continue to say this, but I'm, I always think about it. I, I have been writing my whole life. I always knew that I wanted to write um, throughout elementary, throughout um, high school. Uh, my undergrad experience was also very excellent, too. But I was very young and uh, without much of the confidence that I had that I have right now. Uh, my teachers there were incredible and, and they were very uh, catering in the same way that grad school was. Grad school was just a step up mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in, in a different direction because even in undergrad, my uh, advisor, uh, Dr. Zing, he was the one to suggest going to Mississippi University for Women. It was a brand new program at the time. It hadn't even, you know, started yet so I was one of the first people to be with the very first class at Mississippi University for Women and so when I got into that got into that into into the program and we workshopping and you know sort of academic writing too and just undergoing that process it took what I felt like was good writing at the time, I was, but I was very raw and not as disciplined as I am now. And mm-hmm. just, again, allowed me to think of the element of craft and how it does take time to create really good work. And so while undergrad was about catering and just basically creation and being, having teachers who really saw what I was trying to do, undergrad was taking that and just sort of chiseling away at the exit. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my experience with both uh, my undergrad, which was at Mississippi Valley State University and HBCU, and then Mississippi University for Women. Mm-hmm. So when you were at that point, uh, when you were getting to to study uh, a particular degree, did you have any hesitations or reservations about studying writing and going into that? Or was there any pushback from family where they said, what are you, what are you doing here? Or were you able to <laughs> kind of, were you able to, to kind of manage it in a more realistic expectation sort of way and say, oh, well, I'm going to pair it with this or I'm going to do this. What, what was that like for yeah. you? Yes, um, for sure. Um, on a parental level, my dad was very concerned, you know, in the ways that parents are. Because, you know, it's, it's not a very um, just sort of one and done kind of thing being a writer. It's not predictable at all. It's, it's very much dependent on other people a lot. And he had wanted me to go into healthcare, uh, which would not have worked because my math skills, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. But uh, 
but my mom saw my drive and my passion for it, and she encouraged me. And I, I just, I, I, once my dad started seeing what I was doing and started reading some of my work, and he saw um, what so many other people saw in me now, uh, that aided me so well. And he began to become a lot more confident in what I was trying to do. So, of course, you know, I had reservations a little bit, too, because, you know, you're young and, you know, you, you want to be secure in your future. You want to make sure you're making right decisions. But I honestly couldn't see myself doing anything else. Yeah. Um, and I, I just decided to, to do the best that I could and just try to try to try to work smart in the ways that I could. And so I, I utilized the support that I had to do the best work that I could. I had, you know, I talked to a lot of my different, my professors. Um, I studied, you know, other writers and what they did. And, and so, you know, I, I honestly truly believe that anybody can do anything. It might take time. It might not go in the ways that you want it to, but you know, when you, don't mind putting in the work because you truly enjoy it and it feels, you know, it just feels natural. Mm -hmm. I always feel that it will work out in the ways that it needs to work out. And usually that's for your best interest. So, Absolutely. Uh, yes. 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 Yeah. So, uh, speaking of of the post college life, you know, I I liken it to a wilderness. You you're in a very safe environment when you're in college or you're in grad school, <laughs> and you're then thrust into this new space that has very little regard for anything except capitalism or except we got to make money, you got to survive and all this yes. kind of stuff. Was that a, a kind of a, a reality check? Cause I remember when I left school, it literally felt like I just dove off a cliff and I had no idea what I was doing, even though I had spent quite a few years, uh, you know, entrenched in my passion and my work, you mm -hmm. come out on the other side and then you're like, okay, now I, I have to really, uh, I guess grapple with the realities of of, yes. of the world. So, what was that like for you, and and how did you work your way through that? Oh my goodness! Um, I particularly had that feeling after undergrad because, mind you, I you know it was maybe close ish to two years before um, Mississippi. Um, University for Women opened up the MFA program. Mm. And so for a full year, you know, I was just, you know, doing a random, random work, you know, just to make money. And yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do with the advantages. I knew that I, I didn't really want to teach because the way that I am, I, I felt like I could not have done both and done a good job. If mm -hmm. I taught, I don't think I would want to write. And I say that because I, I was, I, in my mind, I held myself up to the standards of my undergrad teachers at the time who were incredible. I mean, yeah. they truly, you know, they cared and they, they went above and beyond in ways that, you know, a lot of teachers can't afford to because it, it's exhausting. I, I would think uh -huh. um, the many different roles that teachers play. I mean, truly they're amazing people. And so if I wanted to be like that, if I wanted to be that kind of teacher, I said to myself that, well, I can't write because I don't have the, capacity to to explore both right. at full intensity with the same level of passion something would have had to be sacrificed so i said okay i don't think i want to teach 
maybe that'll be something I do later on in life, but not right now. So uh, for a full like, year and a half, I felt like I was playing around because I'm like, I got this English creative writing degree. I'm not really writing too much. I, you know, I thought about applying to grad school, but like in fields that were completely different from, you know, my initial undergrad bachelor's degree. And it was such a jarring feel- feeling because, you know, you just don't know, mm-hmm. you know, that safety of, of undergrad where you do, you write a good paper, you get told you did a good job, you get good grades and that consistent scheduling Oh, it was so comforting. Mm-hmm. And so now have been thrusted out of that you know into you know the quote-unquote real world and now you just like well what do I do like you know and then writing even felt a little bit unfamiliar because again at the end of the day even when I wrote which was at that point after graduation it wasn't a whole lot Uh um I don't have a teacher telling me that this is a good story Uh I don't have any classmates you know reading it and you know making notes and saying hey I really like this it's just you Uh so uh, when I, when that year and a half pretty much passed up and Dr. Zing re- reached out to me and told me about the program, I did feel a lot of relief because, again, I was entering, uh, I, w- I would be potentially entering a world that was very familiar and safe. And, you know, I have my teachers and I have my classmates and I have a schedule now. And to not feel like that degree was wasted. Um, so I-, I got that relief back. and But then... I, when I entered grad school, I started thinking a lot of things differently because when I when I knew that when my time was done there, I wanted to be more sure and more set and more secure in what I would do afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I approached it with wanting and, and intending to be a better writer, but also, like, what can I do with that uh, that felt you know, natural to me and not going back to that, that feeling of flailing and and just, um, again, like seeking like outside degrees that had nothing to do with what I, you know, needed or wanted to do. So, you know, I think it's just such a common thing. And if I had to look back, I mean, not look back, I'm sorry, go back. Um, I don't, I don't know if I would, you know, some things, some things require you actually just having the the brave, being brave enough to actually find out on your own. So I don't know if, if things would have worked out the way that they did, they, the way that they have now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for, for advice for anybody, my thing is always just not being afraid to talk to people, not being afraid to just have like basic ideas that you would like to do and, and the best way to go about them. And, you know, people... You know whether they're novice or expert. Experts are here to, 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 to. You know, you would hope give their opinion and give their advice. So making use of that is is very important, I believe. Yeah. And also being very flexible and and definitely patient. <laughs> Absolutely, and I I think honestly, if there's anything to take away from a creative life, it's that you you have it in you to be as patient as you need to be to adapt and to pick up new things. And that's something that as, as I navigate through, like, uh, as we say, quote unquote, the real world, people have a lot of difficulty with that. And, you know, especially during my time, uh, 
I, I used to help people find work. Um, and, and so I, I was a workforce specialist and I did a lot of that. And change is very difficult for people. Uh, adapting to things is, is very difficult. And so one of the beauty, one of the most beautiful benefits of, of this kind of creative life is that that inherent drive to to do the best you can with what you have. I feel like that's almost a philosophy of all writers, right? Where, where you're like, I'm going to make time for this. I'm going to make it work, right? No matter what. Um, and so it seems like for you, you've always had that resolve. Like it's, it's not really been a problem. It's just sort of figuring out the mechanics of how you're going to make it work. Right. So, um, so fitting in say work and life and, and the creative pursuit, how do you find time for that right now? Like how, what do your habits look like in terms of, of how you're approaching these things? Okay. Um, okay, I say this all the time. I, as much as I love writing, it's not something that I honestly do every day. And one of the reasons that is is because for me, it, it, it's not something that I wish to go about with the intention of finishing as soon as I can because as soon as I think of it in that way, it becomes less about the journey and more about the finished product. So right now I'm, I'm at this current um, sweet spot where, I, you know, I, if I wanted to write faster, I could, but I'm not under any, like, contract obligations. I'm able to work with my agent and we can take our time with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's, it's really truly about finding a process that, that feels very natural to you um, I'm not a fast writer at all. I'm a very slow writer, though. <laughs> no, me <laughs> too. I laugh older, because I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just finished a story, and it's not even, like, extremely long. It's about uh, a little over 7,000 words. But I started it in November, and I literally just finished the last draft uh, this week. Mm. So... Um, it's, it for me, like what my day to day is like, I'll, I will work on, because I, I love to use like sections a lot in, in my long form short stories. So it'll be like a lot of times it'll have like act one, act two, act three, act four. Mm. If I were to break that down, I would work on act one just for one week. And then I'll move on to act two the next week and so on and so forth. And a lot of times it's usually just an hour session maybe three or four times out of the week because of other things that, you know, you wish to get done. You're trying to have balance with your work. You're trying to, you know, make sure you eat good meals and drink your water and work out. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. things that also give your life meaning and fulfillment too. And so, uh, you know, it's so funny that you talked about this because I was I was watching a, a Donna Tart interview uh, just yesterday. She's one of my favorite writers. Hmm. And she talked about, you know, trying to, to write faster and not really enjoying it. And so she's just this, this writer who has, I believe, solely only write uh, novels. And she finishes one one novel uh, averaging every 10 years. And when she talks about that, I felt so seen because mm. I want to have time with the work. I want to have fun with the work. I, I want to, you know, I want to feel like this journey is just as meaningful uh, as when it's done and it's on somebody's bookshelf or in a bookstore. Like I don't want to have any resentment 
in that creative process. And so I really think that, you know, for me, having that time to just take my time is, is really treasurable. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of the pressure off, too, I would say. <laughs> no, I, because, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, no one, I'm not Stephen King. I'm, I'm not somebody who's this, this is my main bread and butter. So why not take that time? Why not actually enjoy it? Because I can. Because Absolutely. I can. And, you know, I appreciate that perspective a lot because in this day and age, I fall into the trap of wanting to have more output. I'm I'm typically generally rushing a lot of the time, trying to work through something. And I find that a lot of that might might be attributed to social media. Of course, I fall into oh, yeah. that rat race of, of wanting to produce content. So I always have something to share, something to let people know about. And it's so detrimental because... Just just a quick thing, and I'll ask you a question, but I'm working on the Dramatist Guild End of Play Challenge, which is write something for the month of April. And it's it's one of those challenges where, like, I'm throwing everything that I have at it when I'm not podcasting or, or doing my other commitments, and I, I feel like it's still not fast enough for what I have in my head, for my expectation. And I realize halfway through, I'm not enjoying any of this. This is torture. Why? <laughs> because... I remember that I don't write like that. <laughs> I, I, and, and for a moment, I, I was thoroughly convinced that I would magically have a play by the end of April when, yeah. you know, I still have a lot of work to do. But I, I just think that you're tapping onto something so special because it's very hard to maintain your mindset. And I'm talking about your your way of looking at things because we're just bombarded with this need to go, go, go. And I just have to applaud you for that. Um, it's it's very difficult. It, it is. And, you know, I still struggle with it now because I'll look at, you know, writers, you know, submission stats and acceptance stats and, like, their acceptances in one month, you know, equate to mine for the entire year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you write that much? Like, you know, do you get tired of it or anything like that? But. I think a thing that's important is to really also pay attention to like just how you feel because if you start like leaning towards that like feeling that's very anxious, that's very insecure, that's very resentful, that makes it feel like truly a burdensome test, Mm -hmm. then I I feel like this like strain away because you know prior to social media and prior to all the stakes that are out there. A lot of times, the craft that we enjoy, whether it be writing or something else, was something that we just did purely for the enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And I think that what's important as we get older is to hold on to that, like, the sort of youthfulness and that playtime of creating, but also applying it, you know, with the experience and the expertise and the wisdom that you have, you know, as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so, you know... For me, I'm, I'm always saying, you know, just make sure that you're having a good time with what you do, but don't let that mean, don't, don't, that doesn't mean that you slack off in what you do. Like, it, you can be playful, but you can, you can also be the playful expert. And more often than not, like, that just takes time. You know, we read yeah. these, some of the classics, the classic books that we read, you know, Zora uh, Neale Hurston or Tony Morrison. Those words are good because they took time to write. And mm-hmm. if we hold ourselves to that same standard, we have to be 
sort of unafraid in that time that it takes to write. I mean, you can always reward yourself in other ways if, if we are wanting to, to feel good, if we're wanting to feel special. You know, I I do something like I'll set up like a very maintainable rewards list for like, you know, small writing goals and big writing goals. Mm-hmm. And it gives me that sort of validation and excitement that I'm looking for. And another thing is that, you know, if you want to write a good book or a good story and it takes you time to, to do that, that's cool. But if you want that feeling of reading one or writing one right now, there's plenty of other writers that you could read and support that give you that same feeling too while you work on your stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think that uh, we will always continue to work towards and on our relationship with writing, but it definitely goes back to just, just being very honest about what it is that makes you feel good and secure. Absolutely. So one quick question about process here, because I, I like this idea of enjoying the hard work, like finding the pleasure in problem solving a, a sort of a mechanical problem in the story that you're working on. Um, can you give me an example of a, maybe a recent work or something you did in the past where you said this was incredibly difficult to solve in terms of storytelling, mm-hmm. but I felt so rewarded by the effort that I put in, no matter how long it took. Do you do you remember an experience yes. like that? Oh yes, I can. I can talk about um, a story. It's not published yet, but it's become what I like to call my little good luck story. So <laughs> about um, about. Let me see. Last year, I'm I'm confusing the years. The years are going by so fast. So last year was 2022. Okay, so in fall of 2022, I had an idea for a story that played a lot with uh, science fiction, uh, literary fiction, um, and it was a, a story that I wanted to do a social comment commentary on uh, that sort of blended black culture and also the culture of bees. And it was something that took a lot of research and a lot of time and a lot of, oh my goodness, a lot of like hard questions that I had to ask about myself, about us, you know, black people, about society, about gender roles, um, all of that. And I did not finish. I started in October 2022 and I did not finish until October 2023, so full year. Um, and it was it was a story that as soon as I wrote the first draft, I knew it was going to take me time because I was presenting something that I felt was very deep. Um, and the deeper the, the, the thematics are, more often than not, the more time it's going to take to actually do, at least for me. So... While I was, I, and it wasn't the only thing that I worked on because I had other things, that other projects that were easier to figure out, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it took time. It took time for me to, to, to really just get it to where it is now. Um, and it was a story that one of the drives for me was I really wanted to submit it to a contest. I had this, this one of my favorite um publications i wanted to send it to it and i did but funnily enough that story got rejected from that contest Mm -hmm. however the same time my now agent uh danielle was was 
able to read it. It was the story that one of the stories she got to read and that I sent her and I knew that I wanted her to see me and, and see what I was trying to do. And if, you know, it was really, it's a very strange and surreal and, and pretty heavy story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was, it was sort of like saying, Hey, this is who I am. Um, if you feel it, you feel it. If you don't, you don't. At least I know, you know, at least I wasn't hiding what I wanted to create in the future. And I, I didn't have any expectations at all because I know as a writer, you know how it is. You know, some <laughs> people love it, some people don't. I, you know, I, I just thought it was cool to be able to do something, to be, to be able to um, query my first agent, period. And it ended up working out. And so I, I think that, that without without having if I had not gave that story the time that it, it needed, I don't know how things would have played out. But I, I do know that when we have these topics that are very heavy and, and it's like you as soon as you write the first sentence and it's like, Oh Lord, this is gonna take some time <laughs> That's that's the treasure. That's that's when you should lean in even more and be excited because that's gonna be the big prize for you. You know, whether it's just the idea of you finishing it or leading on to other great things. But yeah, um, being unafraid of a, of a story that may take time to finish or a novel that may take time to finish or a memo or whatever, you know, it's, it's always best to try to, to not be intimidated by that if you can. Mm-hmm. And just think of it as, oh, okay, this is the big one. And when you start thinking of, thinking of it as the big one, you don't mind that time at all that it takes to finish it. By the time it's done, you'll feel it's, it's just a great feeling, period. Mm. That's an awesome per- perspective. And it leads me to ask you on your latest work that's com- coming out. This is going to be a, a big year for you. I know that you have your fiction chapbook that's coming out real soon. And you also have uh, your collection of essays. Is that right? That's coming out in the summer? Yes. In, in May 20. No, no. Yes. May 20th. I'm sorry. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so it's it's coming fast. <laughs> it is. It's really, literally right around the corner. Yeah, early congratulations on that. But I'm curious, what uh, what preparations have to go into this? Uh, it seems like you're very close to having this project see the light of day. Yes. Um, um, that is a really good question because I, I feel like I'm a good writer, but I feel like when I, I feel like one of the things I had to work on uh, coming out of grad school was being better at the preparations, as you say. So, you know, I was never the one to like set up a writer's page. And I literally just got my um, author website established last fall. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm terrible at it. It's, it's a weakness. I'll admit, but other people are really on top of their game. So when I, you know, got these sentences for both. It was very much so um, exploring the more business side of writing mm. because I had to review proofs and, you know, calling bookstores to try to set up readings and uh, thinking about book covers and uh, checking um, if each, you know, it's like I'm talking about my essay collection right now, mm-hmm. checking to see if it was okay to use certain pieces and, Actually, one of them, which was published with, chick- with Chicken Soup for the Soul, was not okay to publish in a different book outside of what they had published already. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my advice is always to just 
you know, if you're, if you're, I mean, if you're publishing like with a independent press to always, um, try to be on top of your, of your stuff, ask the editors questions about how to prepare, think about what book cover you might, you know, like have in mind and who you'd like to work with. Um, make sure that none of the pieces, um, as far as being published go, if, if they're published individually, make sure that that publication schedule doesn't conflict with your um, book debut schedule. Um, I had an essay that's the, literally the first piece in the book. It's to come out with friction in June of 2023, so this summer, and my book comes out in May. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord, like, what am I going to do? Like, mm. you know, so I contacted them. And thankfully, Friction is, is such a, an amazing and wonderful and generous staff. They allowed me to still publish the essay in spite of, like, their contract. So mm. I was given permission to do that. So th- these little tiny things that, you know, they're all important. And um, it's, it's, it's not extremely difficult. It's just requiring kind of kind of having to shift your mind from that creative side to that again that more business side yeah and it goes to emphasize the importance of communication throughout this whole process <laughs> and and being open uh not coming from a guarded place and obviously one has to be careful if this is a business but to still be open enough to communicate before other yeah. problems arise it seems like that's a very important thing to do yeah. And, you know, I think the thing, a wonderful thing about being in a creative community is that even when it is business, most people care. Um, mm. And so, you know, like with things like with my issue of the the, the essay conflicting with my my debut uh, book and, and, and the dates and all of that, people cared, cared enough to, to make that acceptance. And so, you know, it's, it's really honestly nothing to be like ashamed or afraid of asking questions about um because typically what my experience is my experience at least most editors and readers they're just like us and they want to see us do good and they're Mm. proud of us and so yeah yes it's 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 the the kind of business that i feel like most writers would do well you know to to do with (laughs) it it's not anything like too out of our wheelhouse i don't think no, it seems like there's a good bunch of people surrounding you, so that's really uplifting to see. And I have to commend you as well on the title of your fiction chapbook because it's a badass title. It is lovely, and I love these very involved, very, uh, you know, some might say verbose, but I think it's so beautiful. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is, Look at all the little hurts of these newly broken lives and the bittersweet, sweet and bitter loves. That's yes, amazing. That's right. That makes Thank my heart you. sore. It's incredible. <laughs> can you Thank talk? You so much. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about it, just to give us a, a cliff notes, or or maybe just a, yeah. a little sample of what what we're in for with this one? Yes. Yeah, so one thing that's interesting, and I actually haven't talked about this ever, is that um, well, I love long titles. Period. But this title is it's almost like two titles in one mm. because the chat book is is almost two collections in one. So the first half, look at all the little hurts of these newly broken lives. It features five um, micro to flash fiction stories 
of this family that's no longer a family anymore. And the first, the five stories cover a perspective from an orange sitting in the kitchen watching the dismantling of this, of this family. And then the father and the mother and the son. And the final story out of the five goes back to the orange. And then the bittersweet, sweet, and the bitter love. Those, those are individual various love stories too. Um, and again, either going, either they'll be bittersweet or they'll be straight up sweet or they'll be somewhere, you know, <laughs> just straight up bitter. And, um, I, you know, I was really excited about it because I, I, I love writing about, uh, romance a lot, not necessarily in a very sweeping and, you know, buff guy with his shirt off on a horseback type <laughs> of way. Although I've, I've read that too before because they can be nice to just sort of, you know, mm-hmm. um, have a nice, like, uh, especially when you're writing something heavy, something soft at the end of the day to sort of take your mind off those. Yeah, we need breaks. But, yes. I was saying. But, um, I, I love writing about it because I feel like that, that romance, that love is, is, is at the root of a lot of the stories, uh, that are famous and, and beautiful and well known now. And so I always, I'm always figuring out a way to write about it. I love, talking about relationships and what people will do to, to keep one another or um, falling out of love and all of these things. And so that chat book is, is sort of like, I'm really happy and proud of it because it, it feels like the proper debut for me mm-hmm. because that topic of, of love is something that I, I plan to explore pretty much for the majority of my career. That's beautiful, and I'm very much looking forward to that one. But I'm curious of how the structure is going to be informed by that two-part or two-halves kind of situation mm-hmm. that you have there. It's it's going to be pretty awesome. Now, I just got uh, one more question to be mindful of your time because I know that we're going to make this a quick one, but when things are exciting and things are interesting, that never happens. So thank you so much, Exodus, for saving the episode and, uh, and joining me today, even though we had to change the schedule. But um, no problem at all. It's, it's been such a pleasure and such a privilege. <laughs> so, can I ask you um, if you could impart some things to a younger creative, maybe somebody from <laughs> your neck of the woods, you know, who's who's from uh, from from your area? What what do they need to keep going? What is it that you would say to uplift them to commit to their craft and continue, <laughs> especially? a young person of color who may experience some adversity in their perspective and in the way that they see the world. If you could share a few things on that. I would say to not think about the stakes too much. I I think that when we think about what's at risk, am I going to get famous? Am I going to get published? Are people going to love this? It creates such a big divide between us as the creator and our craft. So for me, and this is something that I feel like everybody should implore, it's going to take you spending time alone with that craft and not necessarily being afraid to make mistakes because that's just how you begin. Nobody, you know, whether it's writing or sewing or pottery or photography, no one starts out as the expert. We have our gifts, of course. We have our talents. 
that even if we start off from a supremely talented place, the thing is, is that we're only going to get better. And the better that we, we get, the more time that it takes. And that time is, is very precious because it's basically you and the craft in that relationship. And the way that that relationship grows is by exploring that time, is by being unafraid to, to make mistakes. And so for me, as, as a young, when I was a much younger writer, what allowed me to get to where I am now is just having fun with it. And most importantly, and I'll say equally as importantly, actually, is listening to the people who see all the goodness that you have inside of you and all the goodness that you can do. Listening to that, because those voices are going to be the ones that that fuel you and feed you um, day in and day out. And without my family and without my teachers and without my friends, I wouldn't have had the courage to explore in all the ways that I have. So having fun, being playful, being unafraid of the time that it takes and listening to the right people, that's, that's the biggest, blessed, most amazing advice that I could give to anybody. And once you apply that, you can, you can pretty much try any craft that you want knowing that that's all the secrets that it takes to get to go from novice to expert in your own right. And that is an amazing note to end on. So <laughs> Exodus, <laughs> I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk further down the road about your other activities and hobbies. I know that you're a budding beekeeper, uh, that sounded pretty yeah. awesome, as well as a whole bunch of other things. But uh, I want to thank you today for uh, for your willingness to be open today to write about love and magic and all these beautiful things that, that keep us afloat in the world. And, of course, for reminding us that it's about the journey and that we should love and embrace it. So this has been a real pleasure. Yeah. And I hope that we get to chat soon, someday down the road. Yes, same. I've... I've truly enjoyed my time talking to you. It allowed me to think about um, my my experiences as a writer almost from an outside perspective because I, I know myself so well and I know my writing so well, but now that I was able to talk with you, it, it's almost, it was such a different experience for me and I've, I've truly, <laughs> I've truly enjoyed that time and, and having this discussion with you as a fellow writer and editor and all of that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congrats again on your latest release. I'm going to keep retweeting it and posting it no matter where, where I'm at. And uh, yeah, I hope we get to chat again next time. Okay. Yes, for sure. Thank you so very much. All right. You enjoy your Sunday and I'll be in touch on the internet. Okay, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye.